welcome everyone to episode 208 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. This is the playoff preview episode, I guess you could call it. Uh, we're doing this right before the Brewers start their NLDS series against the Atlanta Braves. Joined here uh, this week, I should say first, I'm James, but uh, we're also joined by Ryan. What is this, reporting is eligible? Yes, and you can call me Mattel. That was a... a I must say, I was a little behind on the reporting as eligible, so I just now started listening to the San Francisco recap, and uh, Matub coming in 15 minutes in was an all-time great, so I love that one. It really <laughs> was. I was like, is he not there? Or, is he not there? Like, did I just I lose track like of time? In. You'll never I don't know. know. You'll never know. always be a surprise. Uh, it's the element of surprise. That's why you got to keep listening. You never know when he's going to chime in. But anyway, I'm James. We've got Ryan and Paul here. We're doing this a day late. Uh, or at least a day later than normal. We usually do these on Sunday night. We're doing this on Monday night. I would like to say it's because we wanted to see how the regular season ended and we could take a minute to digest everything and give you guys an informed playoff preview. Uh, but really, it was just Ryan and Paul got really drunk yesterday and couldn't do the podcast. Is that about <laughs> right, Ryan? I mean, I was at the Packer game and I did get a ride home from my wife, so I did not drive <laughs> home. Uh, and yes, that was that was because uh, I, I consumed a few... Uh, beers at that game i was out with friends at an Oktoberfest, and i, I could have podcasted but i wasn't at my house so um mm. that that's mm. my excuse and i'm sticking to it yeah, you we'll know. go that yeah we'll, we'll go with that and it's not like uh any of us have ever done this without doing a beer or mm -hmm. two during the show so uh there you go <laughs> well it's not like this is time sensitive anyway like they have until friday sure yeah this, we got so. all freaking week we to do this thing why are we doing this on monday can we do this late? no anyway uh so yeah we're we're doing this at the start of the week we gotta wait until friday for the brewers to play uh ryan's super pumped about that friday afternoon start time because it works for his schedule and nobody else's is that right yeah i mean well it's late enough that i will be done with work and can get over there and should be able to catch first pitch so i'm thrilled about that yeah the rest of you might have to you know call in a half day or or yeah, find a reason to take a, a long weekend gonna be rough over here but i'll figure out something <laughs> And then I've got a wedding to go to on Saturday. Uh, shout out to James, but uh, another James. I know a lot of Jameses in my life. But anyway, I've already been deputized as, a, I guess, scorekeeper or score watcher during uh, the wedding. Should the uh, ceremony stretch into first pitch time. So, yeah, I'm actually uh, going to a wedding as well. My cousin who attended with her mom in utero, the... Uh, the three thousandth hit for Robin Yount. So oh, wow, yeah. So they will definitely have that game on at the reception. There is no doubt in my mind that that game will be on at the reception. I uh, had to let her know that we weren't going to be there for the rehearsal dinner on Friday night because uh, we were going to be at the game instead. And she's like, "Oh yeah, you definitely go to the game, and we'll see you when you get up there. <laughs> you know, you can come find us in the bar after the the rehearsal dinner." We'll be over there, so just come find us, and we'll we'll be there. So yeah, so it's nice that you've uh, when you've got a uh, a brewer friendly wedding to attend, an understanding bride, if you will. Yeah, exactly. I mine not so much. Uh, James is marrying a Cardinal fan, so she is uh, more concerned wow. about <laughs> the wild card game this week. And if they've got the late night games, they if they win, uh, she doesn't really care. So. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. But if James, if you're a listener, 
I'm not sure if you are. I, I know you're a follower of mine, but if you're a listener, <laughs> she's a Cardinals fan. You, there's still time to get out of it, my my dude. Like, oh, you, you can no. still get out of it. <laughs> she's all right for a Cards fan. I'll give her that. But. All right. Uh, <laughs> before we get started, before I get into too much more trouble, uh, we want to remind you that you can help support us and the Reporting is Eligible gang by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash tailgate. For just two bucks a month, you can help us lowly podcaster types, and you'll get question priority both here on this podcast and the Reporting is Eligible Packers podcast as well. Five bucks a month gets you some extra content. You get that Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. You can also listen to their Minor League season recap right now if you're a patron they did that in the last week definitely a good listen if you're interested in the minor league goings on in the brewers farm system you also get paul's reporting as eligible preview mini pods where he will tell you every week how the packers will win or lose any <laughs> given week yeah uh, feeling good after that steelers win nice easy leisurely sunday well that, it Pretty was good. but not feeling good um Jair yeah. Jair's correct that the Packers are done. Yeah. He's 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 gonna miss games, I'm pretty sure at this point. So uh, but uh they played well, so that's good. <laughs> could it, could that is worse. good. That is good. Uh and and you know, you guys will be recording in the next day or two here. So be yep. on the lookout for all the the talk about how screwed the Packers defense is without him and how <laughs> how things will go going forward. Preston's uh, hurt in that game too, with also with a shoulder injury, and don't know how how that's going to look. So they might be missing pass rush and cornerback, which is a great combination. Yikes! Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? All <laughs> right, before we move on, I do yeah. want to make sure we get this in at the top of the show. Uh, and we'll mention again at the back end of the show, too. But uh, for those of you who are unaware and you're not on Twitter, and bless you for that, because you're a happier person oh, if God. you're not on Twitter. Although it was the only social media in the world on Monday. So yeah, everybody's on Twitter that. today. That is, all Twitter is today. <laughs> that is true. So uh, anyway. But, oh, yes, yeah. If if you uh, did not know. Uh, the baseball, the the dreaded Yachty ball from a few Hashtag weeks ago. Hashtag blow up the ball. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it, it finally prevailed upon when the Devin Williams news came out that uh, we need to get rid of the baseball. <laughs> and I was sick of hearing people adding me about it, especially Steve in <laughs> numerous group chats. <laughs> so so what I did is I said, OK, fine. If you guys raise a thousand dollars for uh, Hunger Task Force Milwaukee by next wednesday and i think we'll we'll extend that out to thursday since we're not playing until friday so we can go till thursday if you uh get to that and i believe steve uh last update i heard we we're somewhere around 200 so we're not hugely up there yet but i'm assuming we'll get a lot more donations rolling in after this um if we raise a thousand dollars by thursday i will torch the ball so if you would like to uh <laughs> donate to a good cause and get some good karma for the brewers going into the postseason you can donate and all you have to do then is take it and you can send it to us uh, through our email at milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com and then I'll forward that to Steve. You can send the receipt to uh, so you're not actually sending us the money. You'll donate the money and then just send the receipt to us and I'll put all this in the, the show page and all that. Um, you can hit it through our Twitter page. Uh, you can. Yeah. You could hit our email. You can hit Patreon if you're a patron. Any of those places, if you can send us a, a screen cap of your receipt, we will take that into account and 
yeah, we'll we'll torch the ball. So make sure you you get involved. I friggin' love it. Like you said, put good karma out in the universe with the donation and uh, remove the negative karma by blowing up the the Yachty baseball I, and make Steve I'm, work I'm a little very bit. Very happy. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. Like I'm I'm very happy about the fact that he has to keep track of this. <laughs> oh, so it's not the doing good for other people. It's the no, it's creating more Steve. work for Steve Garshinsky it's, that's getting it's, you to do it's this. It's a side benefit of this whole thing. It's all it's all part of the <laughs> I I may or may not have sent him a text message immediately after I put that tweet out saying haha I win. <laughs> <laughs> so if he wants the ball destroyed so damn badly that he can do the work of tracking this uh this charitable endeavor that we're doing so i did i did Don't like in the revenge. little group chat uh between the four of us he's he was griping that uh you just kind of put this out there with no planning or foresight just to make this as difficult as possible for him so there's oh that yeah too. it was literally i sent that tweet <laughs> and i showed it to my wife ahead of time and she's like shouldn't you tell him in advance and i'm like no <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, he he could find out about it. And I think it was while he was on his drive home. So he didn't even see it right away. So, yeah, you know what? He he wouldn't shut up about that damn baseball. So this is what he gets. And now he gets to be a part of an endeavor to raise money for a very worthy cause. So we're, we're happy to raise money for Hunger Task Force. This is not the first time we've done this. We Absolutely. also did it last spring. So yep. happy to do this. And. A, a baseball is going to get barbecued. A bunch of money is going to be raised for you know, people that need it. And Steve's going to have to do a bunch of work. This is a win-win-win. <laughs> All right. Please tell me you're taking video of this happening and we can post this. You have right? to. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, that was part of the original tweet. Yes, we will. We'll definitely yes. be taking video and we'll be posting it. Uh, links to it in the uh, the show next week and everything. So. Yes, rest assured, it will all be it will all be there, and I will be making a personal donation as well. We'll just kind of see what that's going to be depending on where we're at, but uh, we definitely need the help here to get to that thousand dollar goal. We're not we're not super close, so we need we need everybody's help and assistance in doing that. Please, amazing, yeah, absolutely, and and like we said, uh, we'll we'll recap this again at the end of the episode, but yeah, uh, just do what you can, throw a couple bucks, and you know. Make more work for Steve. Yep. Get Ryan to blow up a baseball he really doesn't want to. I mean, everybody's a little bit miserable, and that's how you know everybody wins. So there you go. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, I guess speaking of uh, winning, or actually not a lot of winning, maybe this is why we're getting <laughs> Ryan to blow up the baseball. The Brewers haven't won a, a lot recently. Uh, of course, they ended the 2021 regular season on Sunday. Stuck at 95 wins, couldn't quite get to that franchise record mark of 96. Uh, got swept by the LA Dodgers over the weekend, another series that really didn't matter. Dodgers were still kind of playing for something, trying to avoid that one game playoff. Didn't quite work because the Giants finally won a game, even though Giants fans were salty with, at the Brewers for not <laughs> winning. Uh, it's a whole thing. Just take care of your own business. The Brewers had to. Uh, but anyway, so the Dodgers swept. Brewers didn't get really hurt. You know, nobody got hurt. They threw Corbin Burns for a couple innings, said, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and we got a lot of uh, Gustave and Colin Ray innings and and the like over the weekend. <laughs> so I, I will admit I didn't watch a single inning of this weekend series because it just didn't matter. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I guess I saw some hand-wringing online about the way the Brewers have ended the season. Obviously, not exactly red hot, but, you know, 
they haven't had a lot to play for in the last week. So we are all here to assure all of you that the way the Brewers <laughs> end of the season doesn't matter. Is that right, Ryan? Oh, yeah, I got the facts. So you may have already seen this on Twitter. It's a tweet that's doing quite well at the moment. The Brewers finished 4-10 and over their last 14 games, and that covered 121 innings. Over that time, the big four, so that would be Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, and Hayter, combined only pitched 35 and a third innings of that. So that amounts to about a quarter of the innings or so. And you can imagine that in the playoffs, that's going to be a much, much higher percentage. Um, (laughs) They weren't overly great. It largely came down to Freddie having given up seven earned runs in his 11 innings or whatever it was. So a 356 ERA. So not great, but also not not like horrible or anything. But you've got also a situation where they were going against a couple of the hottest offenses in the game and the Dodgers and the Cardinals for a bunch of that run. So this kind of thing will happen. And as James, you pointed out, it mostly was not their good pitchers pitching. And that's why they didn't do so great in that end run. And if you look at the offense, and I did figure that out, um, maybe a little bit more concerning here. They averaged over those last 14 games, 3.57 runs, which is about a run under the league average this year. But when you figure how many guys were getting rested, I think in that stretch, if you look, they weren't running an optimal lineup, really, any of those games. It it really was, and especially the last, like, 10 days, and, and since they clinched, really, if you look at it, usually you had at least a couple of regulars getting a, a day off on a given day, and a lot of guys getting subbed out early, and all of that. So they definitely weren't putting their best team on the field because they'd already clinched and they had nothing to play for. So we can take a deep breath and just feel okay that that ending doesn't necessarily mean really anything. Yep. It's been a long Craig Timber and there's reason to believe the playoffs will be better than the last part of the season. And um, <laughs> if, if, if you want, if you want a good sort of conceptual reason why, Momentum usually doesn't work entering the playoffs. Some, it does sometimes, and I'll get to the caveats, but um, it's because of situations like this, where the Brewers were playing teams that were desperately trying to win games, throwing out every great lineup they could, pushing guys to play injured, relying on their bullpens heavily to do so. Um, the Brewers just weren't. They, they had nothing to play for most of the time. Their chief goal was to rest people and get people healthy and line up their 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 rotation for the playoffs and when you're doing that and you have misaligned um incentives this happens sometimes and that's okay um it's very likely once they start playing optimal baseball again in the playoffs with everything on the line and um craig starts to use the lean on the bullpen heavy and push guys a little bit more and throw out the super heavy platoon split lineups and things like that that they're back to normal and look good now there is one caveat to that, which is that sometimes you struggle not because of trying, not trying hard enough, but because something has changed with the team. And the Brewers don't have a ton of that, but they have a little bit of it. Like we, uh, you know, they have a pitcher who broke his hand punching a wall, which is not great. And that pitcher is very important to the team. And, um, you know, Willie Adamas was hurt for the last like month of the season. And hasn't really gotten back to his previous form yet. And that's something that can hurt them. So um, it's not like there's none of these things. Now they, they get Rowdy Tellas back. And he looked pretty good in his little short stint back with the team. So there's a positive too. And that happens too. But yeah, I wouldn't 
the fact that they struggled record wise, I wouldn't put any anything into it at all. They they weren't trying. They were playing teams that were trying. And once they start trying again, you know, when Craig manages, it's a huge advantage. When he's trying to manage like a normal manager, it's completely different. It's a big, <laughs> uh, it's a big weakness for them if he's trying to save people versus actually, you know, strategize and do a few wins. Absolutely, we're looking forward more to, uh, I guess, Craig Tober this year than Craig Timber. So. <laughs> There's that. But uh, we've got a lot of questions, uh, Patreon questions, about how you guys think uh, Craig will handle that series. Uh, we'll get to those in a minute. But first, I do kind of want to preview the playoff series coming up. So obviously, the Brewers get the Atlanta Braves, who ended up winning uh, what was kind of surprisingly a mediocre NL East. I think a lot of people kind of expected that division to be I, I go, a little I go bit so far as to say bad. That, that division is yeah. bad. Um, the, the Mets ended up being kind of terrible. Um, I think Miami, some people thought, would maybe be better than they were this year. And uh, Washington, like, I don't think Washington just fell off the face of the earth, right? Yeah. <laughs> Washington's one of the worst teams in baseball, <laughs> and um, nobody saw that coming. So th- that division sucks. They're, they're all right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and even the first half of the year, the Braves were kind of in that muddled mess of the NL East, right? They were kind of hanging around 500. Uh, thought they were kind of done. Ronald Acuna Jr. tore his ACL kind of on a freaky play in mid-July. He was looking like an MVP candidate at that point. He had already had, what, four-plus war in mid-July. He was clearly one of the best players in the league. Uh, kind of figured the Braves were done after that, but they kind of just totally reshaped the roster at the trade deadline, I think almost out of necessity, right? They needed yeah. bodies more than anything. Uh, but they picked up Jorge Soler from the Royals, Adam Duvall from the Marlins, Eddie Rosario from Cleveland, all of those guys, outfielders. Uh, almost forgot Jock Peterson Jock. from the Cubs. So they mm-hmm. added four outfielders at the trade deadline, which is insane. Uh, picked up Steven Vogt as well, because why not add some catching while you're at it? And then they got Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates, uh, to help out their bullpen. So obviously uh, one of the more active teams at the deadline, and it ca- looks like it kind of paid off. They went 44 and 28 in the second half of the season. Uh, ended up finishing eighth in the majors and run scored in fifth and slugging, even though they were missing Acuna for half the year. So I guess let's start with the bats. Uh, Paul, there's like three or four guys that are like four win players in this Braves lineup. Uh, I guess which of those guys maybe scares you the most in a short five game series here. <laughs> uh, well, d- definitely Freddie Freeman, who I, I guess, yeah, start with the reigning MVP, yes, right? Who is the reigning MVP <laughs> and who is, you know, awesome. And we all know he's awesome. It's been awesome for a while. Had a great season, had, uh, you know, a kind of MVP caliber season, except it, it's crazy this year, how good a lot of players were. And mm-hmm. I, it wasn't exactly a down year because he's first baseman, but um, Freddie Freeman's great. Um, and, but he's, I mean, you're always afraid of him, but uh, like Austin Riley is just a guy I had never pay attention to yeah. and is just awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm, great I'm, year. Yeah. I'm scared of that guy. He's great. Um, and, uh, but, but like they do have a pretty good balance up and down the lineup. There's a couple weak spots there, but, uh, They've added so much depth that they can kind of play like the Brewers. Like Jorge Soler, I also feel like is a kind of a Brewer killer whenever he gets to mm-hmm. face them. Um, I, I have bad memories of him doing hitting like 800 foot moonshots. So h- him yeah. as well. 
Um, not a fan. I hate Jock Peterson, but I don't think he's very good, so he doesn't scare me. I'm just, <laughs> just annoyed by his presence. But uh, yeah, th- those guys, a lot, lot of power here. A lot of uh, it's a, not an easy lineup to get through, and it it makes you work the whole time. So um, th- that's uh, it's not fun. And if they do wear on the Brewers pitching staff a little bit, it won't be that surprising. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of power here, but I also think that this lineup. I mean, this is famous last words, so if I'm jinxing things, I'm sorry. Yeah, you are. You are doing that. <laughs> but I will say that there does seem to be paths through this lineup, especially because it's so right-handed reliant once you get past Freddie Freeman and Albies. And Albies really had kind of a down year this year, 105 yeah. LPS plus. He not, wasn't great. Yeah, not not his normal. And this does definitely qualify as a down year for him. He's normally much better than this. He still scares me, even though he had a down year, though. Yeah, he's got 30 home runs and a 105 OPS plus, <laughs> so that's kind of an odd mix, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the big thing is he'll be at the top of the lineup with a 310 on-base percentage, and that's, yep. you know, yeah. not not ideal. Him and Dansby Swanson are kind of two peas in a the pod there, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there is some, some lineup length issues here. Obviously, Riley, Freeman... Uh, Jorge Soler was really good since he got there. Duvall was fine. He had a much better first half than he did second half. Uh, so he was much better when he was with use of the Marlins. Uh, and Rosario was also good, but played m- much more limited role. He only had 106 plate appearances with the Braves. So we'll see. They do have some options for lefties to go to. But I think that this really does set up for the Brewers in terms of matchups, where you have a bunch of right-handed pitchers who bring power stuff to the table and I would include Adrian Hauser in that I think there's a pretty good chance we see Hauser either start that fourth yep. game or perhaps Lauer gets a, a a quick start to set up the lineup and then uh they mm. so they load up all the right-handers and then Hauser comes in and and pitches quickly in that uh like the second inning or third inning or something. Yeah, I they, could I could see them using the tricky opener uh, against mm. the the Braves at some point. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, you won't be doing that in those those first games, but I think that there are some ways to get this lineup out with right-handed power stuff against right-handed hitters who really want to pull the ball for power. So I think they have they have some potential to to get through there. I do worry, obviously, about the bullpen now because it's just not as deep and not as talented as it was and would have been with Devin, but you know, that's... That's just, just a thing they're going to have to deal yeah. with. Yeah, just off. Yeah, and, and we will talk more at length about Devin Williams at his at ESC uh, coming mm. up. We got quite a few questions about it, understandably. Uh, so, yeah, we will dive into that more in depth uh, looking ahead here. But I guess looking at the Braves pitching, they did kind of overcome another major pitching injury this year too. Mike Soroka retore his Achilles that he tore last August. Never pitched a game for them. Uh, this year it's kind of like a really a bummer to see after he had that great 2019 looked like another young budding ace for the Braves and just hasn't been able to stay healthy at all Uh, so that kind of threw a wrench in Atlanta's plans if they were hoping to get him back in the second half of this year for a playoff push just didn't happen but despite that the Brewer or Braves I should say uh, finished eighth in the majors in ERA still so pretty solid top 10 pitching staff for sure. Uh, this weekend, it looks like uh, the Brewers will be facing uh, Charlie Morton game one and Max Freed in game two. Uh, beyond that, who knows? But I guess let's just start there. Uh, Paul, you're 
thoughts on the Braves pitching and I guess who those matchups favor in game one and game two. So Charlie Morton and Max Fried are are good, but not great starting pitchers. Now the, the right. ERA plus is Charlie Morton's one thirty two, Max Fried's one forty five, but the, their their FIPS are in the threes, and uh, you know we're kind of just looking up at the Brewers lineup, and I do think the Brewers have an advantage over the Braves in terms of the starting pitching matchups that they'll throw out there, just because Burns and Woodruff are so good. I mean, both legitimate Cy Young contenders, especially uh, Burns, and it's it's hard to have any advantage over the Brewers in terms of pitching. Now that said, though, they're good enough to keep the Braves in games, um, and. Uh, it's not like they're they're terrible. They're they're certainly not. But uh, I, if you're just stacking them up one against the other, the Brewers have the advantage. And where the Brewers really have the advantage is that uh, after Morton and Freed, the Braves fall off quite a bit, and the Brewers really mm-hmm. fall off quite a bit less. So uh, if you can split those guys, then you really create a huge advantage for yourself going forward. If you happen to sweep them, then I think they're pretty much dead in the water. Yeah, the the starting rotation is not to the level of Milwaukee's, but it is solid. And mm. I think that Charlie Morton is the guy that you really want to try to get on. We're assuming that it's probably going to be Burns starting on Friday for the Brewers. That should be a, a sort of a premium pitching matchup. Yep. And Morton is just sort of ageless. And that man's career, he has a almost an interesting yeah. career is like Rich Hill. Like it's a very, it's a very <laughs> it strange is similar, isn't it? It was the super hyped prospect that never really lived up to that, like, but I always, somehow found a career in his thirties. Yeah, right? I will always think of him as a pirate and he hasn't been on the pirates in, in decade, like six right? years, yeah, yeah. seven years. But uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's turned it around. He was always kind of a mad pitcher. And he, I mean, this, his last few years actually have been outstanding. So he, he figured it out. Yeah, he did. Now, one thing I would say, when you get to the bullpen, there is a thing to kind of watch here, and that is they have bullpen pitchers who really like to walk guys. And that is excellent mm-hmm. for the Brewers who really like to walk against bullpens. They do. Yeah. So do. you've got Will Smith with uh, 3.7 walks per nine. Luke Jackson is over four. Uh, Tyler Matzik is over five. Um, A.J. Minter over three. Uh, the only one who really isn't is Richard Rodriguez. And since he got to the, uh, since he got to the Braves, uh, 1.7 walks per nine, but his whole thing is really bizarre. Do you see what happened to his strikeouts when he got to the Braves? All of a sudden he Mm -hmm. went from being a big strikeout pitcher, 3.1 strikeouts per nine with the Braves. Wasn't there, huh? He dropped from 7.7 with the pirates over uh, 38 innings to 3.1. With the Braves, so I don't know what's going on there. And then he also became ridiculously homer prone. Yeah, his homers yeah. are are huge. They really yeah. spiked. I kind of wonder if he's a guy whose production fell off in say early July <laughs> when the sticky stuff crackdown happened. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. And our our Braves fan friend on Twitter who always uh, likes to impugn Corbin Burns and. Uh, make sure everybody, when you see that guy start trolling around Brewers, <laughs> oh, God. Brewers he Twitter his hair or whatever. Yeah. yeah. When you see that guy, you can just go ahead and block him. Uh, I'm not even going to give you the name. Just just oh go ahead and God. block that guy. The the guy from Braves Twitter who likes to troll around Brewers Twitter and talk about Corbin mm. Burns as a cheater. So, yeah. But yes, Richard That'd Rodriguez. I, I think that's a good shout, Paul. I think there's a very good chance that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> yep. uh so i guess with that in mind and you know like charlie morton's 
not exactly known for, I guess, his his tendency to pitch deep into games. I mean, looking at his game logs, there's a lot of sixes, on, fives and sixes on there, you know. So I guess, Paul, do you think like this is a series that's kind of decided in that bullpen area? You know, if they can chase the Brave starters after five innings and kind of work it against that bullpen? Probably, yes. It, mostly, I mean, that's just how the modern game is played. And sure. I, I don't think anybody's going to force their starters deep into games unless they're absolutely cruising. I mean, I, I, don't, I also don't think... I. On the other hand, I, I do think that like Craig Council will let Corbin Burns go if he's just cruising along. He's not going to pull him early. But, you know, this is first sign of trouble. It'll be a bullpen game, and that'll happen probably for both teams multiple times. And, yeah, I, I also, even without Devin, think that the Brewers have a slight advantage in the bullpen as well. So I like that matchup for them, too. Yeah, and it just sort of ultimately, I think the Brewers are a bit deeper of a team and have a little bit more to draw on the further down the roster you go. So if this does become a battle of, say, the deeper end of bullpens, I would I would favor the Brewers in that matchup than the Braves. Yeah, and I think we'll get to this when we get deeper into the Devin Williams conversation, but I'm maybe a little less stressed about that than some other people when you kind of look at just the other options the Brewers have there, especially compared to the teams that they have left to face, right? Mm -hmm. They're still in pretty good shape in in that regard, but we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, But first, we got some other Patreon questions to get to first, kind of generally about the Brave series. Uh, Question number one goes to, of course, Jay Google. Uh, Who else? He's got two questions here. I'm going to skip to the second half of his question just because we're talking about the pitching. Jay's asking, how would you set the rotation for the playoffs? Burns in game one, Freddie game two, and Woodruff in Atlanta at game three? Question mark. I guess Ryan, I guess he's thinking maybe go Woodruff for the clincher, try to split the first two, or have him as Woodruff as a swing game. I guess what what are your thoughts on the rotation? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense if you're thinking like you want Woodruff to go on the road and be the guy to pitch that game on the road there would be a very long layoff for woodruff though mm-hmm. that would be yeah he's already gone two weeks or so without pitching at that point i think yeah something like that yeah it would be an incredible because he pitched last on tuesday i think it was tuesday against the cardinals in st louis so that would be yeah it'd be 13 days in between appearances so that would be a very very long layoff so maybe they don't go that way but I, I think it does make sense not to save Freddie for game three, to not have him be the guy in Atlanta, uh, especially if you're in a situation where you're tied 1-1 or, God forbid, down 0-2. Mm-hmm. Then you're kind of behind the eight ball there, and it, it, it's not great. I do think for game four, especially, and we already talked about this a little bit, you're going to see some shenanigans. Like, that is that is what you're <laughs> going to see. And I think you might also see, I would not be uh, surprised at all if we perhaps saw Adrian Hauser in the bullpen in, say, game one One. or game two, if we saw him do that and then come back in game four out of the bullpen, maybe for a little bit more extended of a run, considering all the off days that they have in between. I think we're going to see Craig use his bullpen, especially the deeper they go you will see more of those starters used in relief roles the way that think about what Davey Martinez did for the Nationals in their 2019 run where he really did lean on 
the starters coming back out of the bullpen, especially I think uh, Patrick Corbin pitched a couple times out of the pen, and I believe Scherzer yep. did as well. Like they leaned on guys coming out of the out of the rotation to the pen quite a bit, and that'll probably be weirdly what council does this year as opposed to what we've seen in the past which was to really heavily rely on the bullpen the rotation here is more the strength of the team especially the rotation depth so expect Mm -hmm. him to lean on that and find creative ways to get them in paul how would you order i would have i guess the big three i would have woodruff go second i would not have him go third i'm fine pitching freddie third and um mostly because i think that woodruff is slightly better than freddie and i would uh, like to maximize the number of Woodruff starts I get throughout the playoffs. And I don't think it matters that much if you split them up or not. Um, I, I also, there's probably some park factor to consider there that I have. I tried briefly to look <laughs> up on my giant stupid spreadsheet, but um, you know, maybe there's a strategic reason to choose one over the other in Atlanta, but I don't really think so. So I, I try and maximize my chances by having my good pitchers pitch as much as possible and, Line those two up first, and if we need a Freddie clutch victory, I actually think he does okay with a lot of pressure on him, so fine doing that. It's okay. That's I'm fair. on board with it. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how the first three games go. As far as game four, Paul, are you, you're you up for the shenanigans, Eric Lauer? I would always do shenanigans. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I think that's really a fun way to do it, too, because it's you know, the last time they did it, it, it they, they threw... Uh, who was there... Who's the famous? I think it was Wade Miley, right? It was no, Wade it, 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 Oh, they did do Wade Miley. Uh, you know what? I was thinking of the Cardinal regular season game where they just had that one loogie out of the oh, bullpen yeah. that they started whose name no. is eluding me. But yeah, it was Wade Miley, right? It was Wade Miley because he started two games in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the league got pissed. The Dodgers got pissed. Yeah. Yep. But um, <laughs> it, it's good if you can do it with a legit starter and flip it. I feel like that's uh, that's more plausible and actually more likely to work at this point. So I'm I'm absolutely on board with that i think it's a great idea all right yeah and then you could if you are using lower for a short stint in game four you could definitely use him out of the bullpen briefly in say game one and you mm-hmm. could also then use him potentially as a, a guy out of the pen on short rest uh for game five so it'd give you all right. kinds of options yep. to cover innings with Lauer. And we know we've seen Lauer come and pitch out of the bullpen. This isn't the first time he would be uh, doing this. And we also saw Adrian Hauser do it a little bit this year as well, too. Mm-hmm. So both guys mm-hmm. have experience in coming in and pitching out of the bullpen. And the way that you expect them to handle this, if those guys are coming in, they're not going to come in and do an emergency situation. They'll use a, a bridge reliever to get them there and then give them mm-hmm. the full time to get warmed up. But I expect yeah. we're going to see that. We're, I bet you we see either uh, Hauser or Lauer or both before game four. I That would be my bet at this point. I bet you we see one or both of them before game four, even though I expect them to do the lion's share of the pitching in that game four, assuming they get there. Yeah, absolutely. And like the the days off kind of help make that happen right there's the the days off for travel in between and and all that stuff so uh definitely easier to kind of manipulate things that way as well all right i guess we put this off long enough i guess it's time to talk about the devin williams situation uh just one of like the most unbelievable things I think I've seen in a while at least when it comes to brewers injury news you know this goes up there with salad tongs and 
allegedly having a suitcase fall on your hand and somehow create a boxer's fracture, but uh, we'll leave that one alone. But uh, just really unfortunate, The, of course, the news that, you know, Devin Williams said he got too drunk, got mad at something, and uh, punched a wall. <laughs> As one does during a celebration. Yeah, there's, there's a gap there that I think we'll maybe uh, do... I think the phrase is a thought experiment about, but uh, first let's just start on a lighter note. Adam post asking, has Devin Williams never watched bull Durham, never punch with your punt or pitching. I guess uh, let's just use that as a jumping off point, Paul, just how I guess disappointing and stupid is this entire situation? Uh, I I don't even know how to answer that question because it's (laughs) the most it's a 10. It's a, you, you can't do anything dumber than what Devin Williams did. It's it's impossible. Um, if you if you did anything different, it wouldn't be good, but you'd still be pitching. Use your other hand, kick something. Um, it, it, like what? There's there's only one thing you had to do. For, you, had, you had one job, and it's not even you had one job. You had one non-job. You had one thing you couldn't do. That's it. Just one, and you did it. It's it is literally unbelievable that that happened. Uh, it like it's ridiculous and it was during a celebration even more ridiculous um i I think we're all waiting for another shoe to drop on it too which is um i I mean we can openly speculate here usually you don't punch a wall usually you punch a person there's it's at least somewhat possible that there is a person out there just uh waiting for um i don't know waiting for the story to to drop in some capacity so um, it's super dumb. Don't get drunk and fight. I still don't under, I've never understood why there are some guys that do that. It's ridiculous. And like, if you're a pitcher, you've been told your whole life, like, don't mess with your hand. It's your milk ticket. It's supposed to be ingrained in you in terms of muscle memory, not to do that. And, and here we are. Uh, if anybody was going to do something stupid and miss the playoffs, I figured it'd be Josh Hader, not Devin, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. The two things that I said yeah. when asked about this were, uh, I hope that the wall doesn't press charges. Yep. And I hope that it was a male wall and not a female wall that he punched. Also that. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't know for sure. The The thing certainly seems weird. Uh, the, the story doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Was he walking home? Was he, like, what exactly was going on there? But really, all of that doesn't really matter. Uh, David Stearns, as... Steve Gershinsky pointed out did look like he was going to vomit during that press conference uh-huh. uh, in the dugout. And that whole sure thing, did. I've never seen more of a disappointed dad look on anybody's face ever in a sports press conference. That was a kid and a parent at a parent teacher conference who've <laughs> been called in because uh, some shit has gone down. That is exactly what that, that whole vibe was. So, you know, it's Tell stupid. Him what you did, Devin. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> it's it's awful. Ultimately, to move past the the stupidity of all this, and if if we do find out more and we have to reevaluate our whole opinion of the situation based on finding something out, we can do that then. Right now, we can just say that the story doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it is the story going and whatever. We'll deal with whatever later. Going forward, it's probably not as big a deal as people might imagine it is just because Devin Williams wasn't likely to throw more than what three, like six, 
six innings in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like Oak, three innings in a given like, series. All yeah, right. Right. I like, don't know. He wasn't a guy who was going to go multiple innings. He wasn't. I just think that's a mistake of conceptualizing the loss because while he was not going to throw many gross innings, he was likely to throw a lot of high leverage innings. And sure. now you're going to be stretching to replace those high leverage innings. You're going to be either having asking more of starters or asking more of hater or asking more of less good pitchers. And that's not, not none of those are ideal. So and it's not like we're replacing Miguel Sanchez here. It's it's right. who would also, you know, is not going to throw more than well, probably zero innings, but, but yeah, uh, right. Um, but yeah, it, it's a big deal because after Hader, he was, he's the guy to get people out and now it's going to be somebody worse. Yeah. I mean, sure. and if, if the Brewers start blowing close leads in the eighth inning, like this is going to come down on Devin very hard. Like yeah. there's no, there's yeah. no escaping that, but is that necessarily going to happen? I don't know. How much do you blame Devin Williams? If, uh, you know, you start blowing leads in the sixth inning, like, uh, that you know, I, I guess we'll have there to will look be at some. circumstances. Right. There will be some who will do if, that. If it, if it was a questionable decision to leave a starter in a little longer, a little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's going to be big this time. Not to get too far afield from the Devin Williams thing, but it's going to be fascinating to watch and see how much Craig, whose instincts, especially in big key games, have always been to go to the bullpen first and to not rely on starters, especially once you get past two times through the order. How deep is he going to go with guys? And maybe maybe those decisions are going to be somewhat taken out of his hands by circumstances. Maybe we're not going to see as much of that as we think we are because either guys are really good or they pitch themselves sort of out of it anyway. In, you know, hopefully not that, but hopefully it's it's more of guys being really good. But it may not really matter, but there will potentially be some touchy situations in say the sixth inning where we have to decide how much do you want say uh freddie peralta facing freddie freeman for a third time yeah situations like that all right not to belabor the point but we do have another patreon question kind of about the i guess outside details of of what might have happened here Uh, jason albert's as a he calls it a thought experiment he says since no one here wants to get in trouble let's create a thought experiment let's pretend an ace reliever who is definitely not devin williams said he punched a wall after a victory celebration if this is the story he willfully told the public what are the odds the reality is way dumber or perhaps even darker and if the real story was important which it's not but let's pretend it is what are some of the follow-up questions you might ask here's what i'd ask you said it happened on your way home. Who was with you? Where did it happen? Who was driving? Have you never seen Bull Durham, you giant nincompoop? So again, I guess kind of uh, getting at what you guys were kind of talking about earlier, right? Like yeah. you kind of hope that there's not more to this that's being unsaid, especially given, you know, some of the other things happening in, in sports over the last couple of years. Right, Paul? Exactly. And it's not a great story and it lacks a lot of details. Um, and the, I mean, there's a lot of obvious follow-ups you could and should ask if you're a reporter, like, why were you mad? You, you just won. Um, were you were you mad at a person? Who is that person? Um, you know, things like that. Where's the wall? Is Does it have a mark on it? Does it have a hole on in it? Is it a bar, a wall at a bar or your house? Is it a wall in the clubhouse? Can we see it? Things like that. I'd want to do all that. So 
um it's 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 bad and there's no sugar coating it and the story is probably there's like a five percent chance the story is true and even if it's true there's so many so many facts omitted that i just asked questions about that um it can still be a true story and still be dumber than it is right now <laughs> oh lord <laughs> yeah all of that i i'm just yeah I'll, I'll leave with what i said before and leave it at that yeah we don't want to obviously speculate too much but i guess maybe some mild kudos to actually saying he punched a wall this time instead of saying your wife dropped a suitcase on your hand mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah okay yep all right um all right back to the on-field implications about this you guys kind of uh kind of amused about this a little bit but we do have some more questions about it brew crew fan in california is asking how does cc adapt to losing williams would they start using hater multiple innings, or is it all about middle relief guys like Strickland, Cousins, Box Burger, and using Ashby longer? Ryan, I guess, you know, we kind of touched on this, but of those options, I guess, is there one you would lean on more, or would you adjust how you use Josh Hader? How, how would you tackle this, or how do you see Craig Council tackling this? I think he's going to go game by game and have sort of a game plan in place for each game as to who's available who he really wants to use in that game get you know based on whatever situation it is and then it's going to be flexible depending on the game I wouldn't be surprised to see Aaron Ashby pitch in the fourth inning and I wouldn't be surprised to see Aaron Ashby pitch in the eighth inning of a game you know Mm -hmm. the only times I'm really not expecting to see him are to start games and at the very end of games I think that's you know starters and hater but I think he could fill in anywhere in between. And I bet it will often come down to matchups. They will look at who is due. And if you have an inning where you say have uh, Albies, who I believe is a better hitter from the left side than he is from the right side, though I could be wrong on that. But if you have an inning where you have, say, Albies and uh, Freddie Freeman do well, and it's like the sixth inning, I would not be surprised to see Aaron Ashby get the assignment in that time. So... And then it'll all depend on like what the, the situation is. Obviously, when you're up in a series versus down in a series, you're going to maybe uh, play it a little bit differently. You'll play, if you're down and you're desperate, you're really going to go to your strongest options because you want to go down swinging with your best guys. So I think we're going to see a lot of flexibility in this. But like I said before, count on seeing Lauer and or Hauser out of the bullpen in those mm-hmm. early games and then, you know, really carrying the weight in game four should they get there. Yeah. Uh, Ozzy Albies, by the way, much better as a uh, right-handed hitter against left-handed pitching career yep. OPS 947 there, as opposed to 752 versus right-handed pitching. Paul, I guess your thoughts on, I guess, how they use the middling middle relief guys. So I think they'll try and play matchups as best they can. They'll do a lot of platoon stuff with them, and they will rely on those those starters as much as possible. I think where it gets interesting is if you have to push that early and you kind of go back and forth with your platoon guys and you get down to the eighth inning, it's going to be really tempting if you're low on pitchers to go to Hater early. And that comes with a pretty big cost too. First of all, he's actually not as good if he has to go for multiple innings, but also maybe costs you his use the next day as well. So um, that's where I think it gets really interesting is when you start to run out of guys, as you get near the end, will he 
will he stretch with Hader? And I'm not sure he will, just because they haven't really done it too much this year at all. They've really kept him to the strict closer role for the most part. And uh, so I- I'm not sure. Uh, I think the hope is that they never run into that situation, that their guys perform well enough doing their, their roles that they don't have to stretch too much. But that's where I think it gets dicey for them and where it can actually cost them a lot is that temptation to, to use Hader for five outs at the end of a game, costing you either that game or that game and the next one uh, with availability later on. I do think if there, that's maybe an underrated aspect of lo- losing Devin Williams, right? Like you don't have that really good backup option if Josh Hader's unavailable on a certain day, right? So. I mean, that kind of factors into that, too. And I think that's a good point as to why maybe they won't necessarily stretch Josh Hader for five outs, like you said, unless it maybe it's the clinching game or, or something like that. And you just kind of ride your horses, but um, should be interesting to see. We do have another question from Tim Braun, uh, kind of along the similar scope of what we've been talking about he's asking how do you think the bullpen lines up if the starter in a given game only goes six innings ryan so i guess you know if you got to bridge the gap there who are you riding to get there i would prefer probably some of these starters especially in in certain situations like adrian hauser uh seeing him come out of the bullpen for uh a, a slew of right he is with power yep would be great. Uh, and then lefties, obviously, like I said, with Ashby, those guys, I'd like to see Boxberger and Strickland as little as possible <laughs> <laughs> because I just don't trust them as being as good as what their overall season numbers were like. And I've already gone into that. So let's just leave that. But <laughs> you also cursed Brad Boxberger, too, while we're at it. I know so. I did. Yeah, I really have powers, James. Yeah, you're the sorcerer controlling everything brewers related yeah uh <laughs> paul i guess yeah are, are you along the same lines kind of use those starter depth pieces as middle relievers now yeah i think you kind of have to it gets pretty pretty dicey pretty quickly after that so I, i'm not sure that there's a, a better option and yes i, I also i like uh, especially do like hauser for that specific role he's a he's a good rookie and you can get, I think, quite a bit out of him against certain chunks of the lineup. So, yeah, uh, it's it's just really kind of a shame what happened down the stretch here. Yeah, I guess, okay, looking ahead now to mixing and matching on the offensive side, Brew Crew Fan in California has a second question here asking, will they use more platoons in the playoffs, and what would they look like? Freed and other tough lefties seem to present a particularly tough challenge. Ryan, I guess, what are your thoughts on how Craig might stack the lineup based on, you know, righty-lefty matchups? Yeah, it's a good question. I really don't think we're going to see a ton of that. I think you're not going to see somebody like Jace Peterson get into games in the uh, the event of a lefty starter. Like, you won't get that. But I think that they already have it sort of set up with – Escobar being able to hit from both sides of the plate and with having your platoon at catcher, which has worked very well for them this year on the whole, Mm -hmm. I think they're already sort of set up for this. So I think we'll largely see the same ish lineup. I guess the other position of question there would be first base, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
exactly how they're going to deal with that. You're going to want to get Urias in games, but the way Craig does this, it you know, just because a guy doesn't start a game doesn't mean they won't be in in the fourth inning in sort of a pre-planned move that was already set up. So just be willing to to take the flexibility. I guess that's the the biggest question is with Tellez back now, does he see the lion's share of I would assume he sees the lion's share of plate appearances against right-handed pitchers at first base. Yep. Which then means Urias is sort of on the outside looking in until the late innings in those situations, right? Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Um, and uh, it, it's, it, it, I mean, you got to use that depth over the course of the game, so it's not a big deal. Um, but I, I think they'll play platoons pretty strong and, um, it'll look, it, it, it look like a lot like it did in regular season. Uh, Tell us helps a lot. Um, I, I know we all like Danny V, but he's actually <laughs> not good. Um, but yeah, it, it won't be that different. I think maybe they won't bat Jackie Bradley as much. That might be one of the only differences that happens. <laughs> other than that, I think it'll just be lefty righty and and stars, and and they'll they'll go with it from there. Um, any concern at all about maybe against a lefty risking having Edward uh, Escobar at first base? Because that's kind of been an adventure at sometimes this year, Ryan. Yeah, it's a concern. And I think that weirdly, Rowdy Tellez would probably be a guy who would be a defensive. Re- he would probably be a defensive replacement like that's And Rowdy does tend to have like opposite splits, doesn't he? At least he did for a while. So yeah. it's not like he's a huge concern against lefties, right? But, no, and he's he's a fine first baseman. He's not great by any stretch of the imagination in terms of uh, def- uh, defense, but he is fine. And so you would probably see him if Eduardo Escobar starts against a left-handed pitcher at first base. I would expect to see Rowdy in the late innings once the bullpen comes in, and he probably then shifts over to uh, third base. Sure. All right. Uh, another one last Patreon question, I should say, comes from Jesse Gennigan. On a scale of one to ten, how much are you personally overlooking the Braves? I feel like I'm at an eight, but I feel like the fan base as a whole is about a twelve. So that's kind of interesting. Huh. Like I've, I, I guess I've seen more of the hand wringing about more how the team finished the regular season and they're worried they're going to get swept and all that nonsense. But I guess. Any concern, Paul, on the other end about maybe being too confident and I'm maybe not, looking ahead to the NLCS? I didn't know that was a thing. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised to hear it. If it is, everybody should stop. Um, that's ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I know that this is all everything I'm about to say is stupid, but the Brewers were so good against the West teams. Like, I'm I'm much more scared of the Braves than I kind of am of the Dodgers and Giants at this point. They, They're kind of in the same boat. Yeah, they, they they were the the Braves weren't as dominant as those two teams, but they got much better over the second half. They added a lot of good bats. They split with the Brewers three three over the regular season, and they outscored the Brewers by quite a bit. Um, I I don't I don't care for this matchup. I'm not I'm terrified of it and not overlooking it at all. Um, uh, and it, it also seems like. When you get to the the next round, the Dodgers, whoever it is, Giant, whatever, um, that's like you're playing the super all star team that is expected to be at the next round. And th- at that point, it's just randomness, house money stuff. Like this is the one where you're kind of the favorites, but the Braves have been kind of better than you for a little bit. And I'm not overlooking them at all. I'm I 
I think it's a really tough matchup for Milwaukee. So I'm like a two on this question. And the rest of you who are like a 12 are insane. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, where are you? Because I know you and I both kind of uh, a couple of weeks ago still kind of uh, are no hedging bets at Brewers in the World Series. So are you kind of overlooking this or uh, how do you feel about the Braves? No, not overlooking it at all. I think the Brewers are the better team. If you had to have them play 100 games, I would take the Brewers to win, you know, 60 of them or something. Like, the Brewers, I believe, are the better team. And that's reflected in the playoff odds. I just looked it up to the moment over on uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. The Brewers are minus 146 to advance. Uh, Braves plus 124. So the Brewers are not heavy favorites by any stretch of the imagination but i would say what would you call that paul comfortable favorites comfortable favorites that's yeah good. it's comfortable favorites so i think that given that 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 feels about right to me but then you have to remember this is baseball and in the baseball playoffs who the better team is matters very little Doesn't it's about who's matter. hot yep yeah <laughs> you know exactly. it, it really just comes down to who's hot and who's who's running well right now and that doesn't mean who came into the playoffs hot that that is right. not what it is there have been many studies done on this tom tango's uh study was cited by joe sheehan on multiple podcasts i listened to over the last week and it's just like there isn't evidence that how you close the season really impacts what you do in the postseason aside from issues of like injury health and like who you're going to put on the field type things. Like if you exhaust your your pitching staff to get into the postseason, like say the Brewers did down the stretch in 2008, well, yeah, it the the probabilities then in the postseason go down because of what happened in the regular season, but that's a a different subject. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I'm overlooking the Braves at all um you know, I, I'm like Paul. I actually weirdly feel better about how the Brewers have played the West teams just because it's largely been competitive when uh, they've had something to play for. As we mentioned, the Braves have a lot of really good players. You know, don't get uh, too uh, blinded by the fact that they didn't finish with 90 wins or anything like that. I mean, they've they added a lot. Like we said, they're very much a different team in the second half. And even though they've got a slew of guys, you know, like Albies and and Adam Duvall, who may not have the best WRC plus numbers. I mean, those are all guys with pop that could, you know, randomly pull a uni bet in court and hit a three run home run that decides a game. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of danger left in that lineup. So mm -hmm. I would caution being too confident, even amongst those of us who uh, still pr feel pretty good about the Brewers chances. Mm -hmm. Uh all right. Outside of the Patreon questions, we also asked for questions on Twitter. We got a couple of those I want to get to. Uh, Anthony Pollard's asking a question uh, that I think maybe we we talked about both of these guys, but which one is the better one? Would Lauer or Hauser make a better bullpen piece for the NLDS specifically, Paul? Uh, okay. It's a tough question because uh, let's just... Well, it, it takes starting out of it. That's the thing. Yeah. So um, it, it's uh, in a vacuum... That, the answer to that question is Hauser because of the way the, the they're a righty-heavy lineup against... It's not overly dominant, but that's that's where he's going to be more useful, and that's what they have. And if you could pick and choose where to put Hauser in, it does help him out. But he also might be more useful as a starter for that reason, too. 
So it's a tough question. Um, I think they're both fine options and you just have to deploy them strategically to get the most out of them. So it, I guess technically the answer is Adrian Hauser, though it might not necessarily be exactly how you want to use him regardless. Yeah, so Adrian Hauser finished with the second best pitch in terms of hitability in baseball this year. His sinker was the second best pitch in baseball. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is something. And I think that that maybe keys more towards using him in shorter stints out of the bullpen and targeting that really because that pitch is most effective. Now, it's been good against both. Okay, don't get me wrong, but that is a killer pitch on right-handed batters that is basically death to righties so maybe in a situation if if you had to choose using him a little bit more over more games would be the the better option but i bet you the way that this end ends up working out is craig does what he has to win the game in front of him and then and then regroups and looks at what does he have available after that to win the next game you know, sure. I, which is how yep. he's generally done things. So they may have a general idea of how they want to do, but they may not actually know exactly when they're going to use these guys. They may just kind of leave it open and say, we're going to get through this the best way that we know how. Mm-hmm. And I think it is imperative that they did give both Hauer, Hauser and Lauer. I'm, I'm working those <laughs> together. Hauer. Hauer, Yeah. Uh, how actually, you know what? That's maybe just the name of Howard uh, Power. Yeah, it's Howard. Like the the Howard Power Hour, like for a game where you're expecting <laughs> That's both game of them. Four. <laughs> yeah, the, game four is the Howard Power Hour. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would expect that, uh, you know, just sort of depending on how things shake out is, is how they're going to be used. But yeah, it, it's hard, especially against this lineup with the right handed power that this team has. Give me Adrian Hauser with that sinker against those righties, shutting them down. I, I think that that would be big time. Script might flip a little bit in the NLCS depending on who they yeah. face, but yeah, yep. totally. Um, but yeah, I think Hauser's the answer at least for this specific series. All right, one last Twitter question I wanted to get to just because the Twitter name is so awesome. PJ's Corey Bahorquez Stan account wants to know. <laughs> Uh, if GBIT, if JBJ has to be on the playoff roster, can we authorize bunting against the shift for when he eventually gets an at bat? Paul, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. It is the best thing JBJ can do and isn't even half bad at it. So, yes, defensive replacement and bunting specialist is okay with me. Yep, I'm 100% with Paul on that. All right, uh, as a reminder, you can always send us questions on Twitter. Our account there is at MKE Tailgate. Uh, of course, you get that question of priority when you're a patron at patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. You also get a shout out here when you sign up to become a patron. And we've got an awesome one this week. Uh, Ryan, I think we actually have a legitimate Euro donation. We do. We have a legitimate Euro donation as well as a very fine note from our new uh, newest Patreon sponsor. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get this right. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Cohen Brockoff. I'm pretty sure it's Cohen Brockoff. So you can uh, okay. hit me back and let me know if I, I got that right. But I think I got this right. And he sent us a very nice note. All those early Sundays of watching uh, European soccer maybe paying <laughs> off here, Ryan. Yeah, I guess so. So okay. anyway, here is our, our note from uh, our newest uh, patron from across the pond. Hi, guys. Finally became a patron yesterday. 
I'm a Dutch baseball fan who watched MLB as a neutral spectator until I fell in love with Yelich in the 2018 season and started rooting for the Brewers as a result. I started listening to the podcast right around the time James took over as the host. Never missed an episode. Love the show. Good insights on the crew. Good humor. My wife tried to explain to me how to leave a five-star review, but my brain doesn't seem to listen. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I do expect Ryan to properly slaughter my very Dutch first name, though. So hopefully I didn't, but maybe I did. <laughs> we'll find out, I'm sure. Yeah. I know Paul isn't worried about the Cardinals, but those fuckers grabbing a postseason ticket in a win over the Brewers must still be upsetting, right? But I trust in Paul, so I will try not to worry either. I would love to ask a question. How do you guys rate Atlanta's starting pitching compared to the Brewers, and what do you think are the odds are that we beat them? Keep up with the good work. Kind regards from Amsterdam. Cohen. All right, so we do have that extra question, I guess. Uh, Paul, how do, how do you uh, see them stacking up? The Brewers are better. They're, the Brewers are like a, a like nine five um, out of ten. I'm not, I'm not going to go twenty eighty scale because I actually don't like it. Uh, <laughs> the Braves are like a solid like seven and a half eight. It's a good it's a good staff, but it's it's weak on the back end. So I, I like their upfront guys quite a bit. It's it get, does get weak on the back end. Um, you know, bullpen is it's meh. It's it's okay. It has weaknesses. Um, so the Brewers stack up really well against it, and I do think that they will come out on top when it's all said and done. But uh, I still hate the matchup, and it's really a coin flip. It really it'll probably come down to some stupid nonsense that nobody can control. Yep, I kind of agree down the board there. I think the Brewers are the better rotation, and I think there is a definite difference there. But it's mostly because the Brewers are very very good, and the Braves are good. So yep, it's not that sure. the Braves are anything like bad. It's just, you know, the Brewers are an exceptional rotation this year, and it's been a long time coming. If you uh, only joined with the Brewers fandom on in 2018, you do not know the history of uh, of pitching in this <laughs> yeah. team. It is no, ugly. Don't. It is ugly. Put it this way. You have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta all could be within the top five, five? or six yeah. pitchers ever developed by this organization within <laughs> nope. a few years. Absolutely. Like it really could happen like in a very short amount of time because it's it's been a wasteland up to this point over those 50 years. So uh, I, I do think the Brewers beat them and uh, give me the Brewers in four in this case. I think that they will clinch in Atlanta in that second game. They'll lose one along the way. But, you know, it, who really knows? Anything can happen because postseason baseball is just so, uh, so very random. Yep. Everything is dumb, uh, but we definitely appreciate the support from overseas. We're huge in the Netherlands, apparently, guys. So uh, we love ourselves some, yeah, some Dutch honk ball. We love it. Uh, so uh, thanks so ball. much for the support. And, you know, tell your friends, we'll build a European contingent and uh, we'll, you know, get us out to Amsterdam someday. That'll be fun. Uh if Paul had fun at an Oktoberfest celebration the other day, we could get in some trouble in Amsterdam. But uh, that's uh, really great. We love the support. And a reminder, as I said before, two bucks a month gets you that question priority. Five bucks a month, you get those extra podcasts as well. Uh, and, you know, e even though our, our friend overseas couldn't uh, figure out how to leave that five-star review, that offer still stands where if you do go to Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to us and, and leave that five-star 
review, Paul will read whatever you write there. Yep. Doesn't matter what it is. Could be acknowledging that, you know, Penn State owns the Badgers, that the Bears uh, running game is, is great, although uh, David Montgomery's knee may be wrecked. But, you know, um, doesn't matter what you put there. Paul will read it. So that's right. That, that incentive is there. Uh, just go wherever you listen to us on on your podcast systems out there hit that subscribe button leave that five star review we would really much appreciate it and it lets other people you know even people in amsterdam find us so uh that, that that's great so please and all of you are dutch this week nobody did it so yes yeah <laughs> everybody's dutch and just one uh, more reminder to everybody make sure oh, that yes. you get your donations in to hunger task force or for that matter we should do what we did last time too and say you can donate to whatever local food pantry you want sure. uh if if you're in a, a different place entirely uh over in in europe they probably do a much better job of this on the uh the public side as opposed to the private side so yeah well so you know but anyway uh we uh yeah anything that you send in to uh any of those give us the receipt send them steve's way the way we talked about at the beginning of the podcast (laughs) and he will he will compile it and we will figure out how to get to the thousand dollars that we need to get to so they uh the dreaded yachty ball can be retired for good yep whether you're in uh madison eau claire lacrosse muscaday wherever you are uh, send that receipt to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or tag us on Twitter at MKE tailgate. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, keep that tally going, or I sh- should say Steve will keep that tally going. Damn right. We're not doing shit. No, um, but <laughs> we'll get that going. We'll blow up the Yachty ball. We'll post the video. Uh, so at, at the very least, be sure to give us a follow there to, to see that. Uh, in the meantime, we will be back next week to talk about how those first couple of games of the NLDS unfolded. Uh, stay well, everyone. We'll see you next time here on Milwaukee's Tale. Fair.